Chapter Three of Early Days of Old Oregon by Catherine Barry Judson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Three: Captain Mears at Nootka Sound, Launching of the Northwest America. On a bright May day in 1788, two little trading ships sailed into Nootka Sound. It was just ten years after Captain Cook, with his two exploring ships, had entered this same sound all the world by this time knew about this fur trade and ships were beginning to go up the northwest coast of america on trading voyages the larger of these two trading ships was commanded by captain john mears though both were owned by his company and under his control this was the captain's second voyage his first had been up to alaska where he had been caught in the ice all winter and with all his men had come near dying from the cold but two other english captains had found him there and helped him out on his way south in that first voyage after getting out of the ice mears had stopped at nootka sound and again at the sandwich islands as the hawaiian islands were then called at nootka sound he found a chief called komakela a brother of the great chief makina who wanted to see the world mears took komakela on board at oahu he found a sandwich island chief tiana who also wanted to go sightseeing so maris took him also and they sailed away for china now on this bright may day in seventeen eighty eight captain maris was entering nootka sound on his second fur trading voyage and komakala and tiana were both on board so were many chinese carpenters his crew were lascars from the asiatic coast maris had a curious shipload with him they came to anchor in that same friendly cove in the sound where captain cook had found shelter ten years before makina the chief came to welcome him with all his people captain mears went on shore he said gomakela would shortly land so the indians all stood about to see this much-travelled chief when he did step off shipboard he was a wonderfully dressed indian his tribesmen gasped with astonishment komakela wore a red military coat with many brass buttons on it on his head was a turned-back military hat with a big bright cockade on it his shirt was linen and his trousers of dark cloth but the most wonderful thing was this many scraps of bright copper gleaming like gold pieces which he had begged and stolen were fastened all over that bright red coat a half-sheet of shining copper formed a breastplate copper ornaments hung from his ears his hair was long and black and braided fastened to this long black queue were so many copper handles from saucepans and frying-pans that he could not bend his head by their weight and stiffness they bent his head back until his neck ached and he was most laughable to look at last of all he had taken out of the cook's galley after a real fight with the cook a great steel meat spit a spit on which the cook roasted his meats before the open fire oh kamelika was a wonderfully dressed chief the indians thought him gorgeous but who shall say what the cook thought when he looked at the pile of saucepans and frying-pans with the handles all broken squarely off or when he wanted to roast his meats tiana was also finely dressed but he was only a sandwich islander and these nootka indians did not care anything about him 
captain mirrors began to build a house after chief mckenna said he might so the chinese carpenters with their funny blue blouses and their long black queues clambered down off the ship and landed on the island what mirrors really wanted was a trading post where his men could live and buy furs from the indians but as a fur trading fort it was very different from those which the great fur companies built in after years captain mirrors house had two stories on the ground floor were to be stored the furs the rope and sails and ship stores besides the food supplies in the second story were sleeping rooms for the men and for the officers and also a large dining room then a low barricade of brushwood and logs was put around the house so that indians could not surprise it too easily but of course if they had wanted to fight the fort would not have stood long after the house was finished the chinese carpenters were put to work building a small ship of forty or fifty tons this was to be a coaster to run into and out of little harbors and creeks along the coast and buy furs at the indian villages while they were building this captain mirrors sent the smaller of his two sailing ships north to explore and buy furs while he went south in the larger one to do the same thing chief mckenna said he would take care of the carpenters and the few white men left behind coasting slowly southward on a pleasant june day in seventeen eighty eight captain mirrors came to the entrance of a great inlet it stretched far to the eastward and one could not see land at the other end it had been seen the year before by captain barclay who named it told other captains about it and wrote about it in his log-book captain barclay thought it might be the straits of juan de fuca he also called this broad inlet by that name both captains thought this inlet must lead either straight across to the atlantic ocean or else connect with rivers that emptied into that ocean look at the map and see if it does this this was the very same inlet which captain cook had looked for but could not see he thought it low marshy ground the breeze blew captain mirrors slowly southward until near cape flattery he came to a rocky island canoes soon were all around them filled with savage-looking redskins the faces of these men were grim enough but red and black ochre and whale oil made them grimmer yet their large canoes held from twenty to thirty men and each warrior was armed with bow and arrows the arrows tipped with bits of ragged bone their large spears were also tipped with knife-like edges of mussel-shell yet these savage red-painted oily indians wore superb robes of beautiful sea-otter skins which they refused at all times to sell the chief's name was tatouche and his name was given to this rocky island he came on board a surly-looking fellow not at all like the handsome dignified indian chiefs of many of the land tribes mirrors made gifts to him the surly tatouche did not even thank the englishman let alone returning gift for gift as was the indian custom more than that he would not allow any of his people to sell furs to the traders the captain looked about him it was a wild scene this little island was crowded and swarming with indians yet aside from fishing there could be no way of getting food even roots would not grow on these barren rocks the surf beat on the rocky shores of the straits both north and south above the dense black forest which came down almost to the water's edge rose the snowy ridge of the olympic mountains 
captain meares sent the longboat to find an anchoring place as he wanted to trade for sea otter robes but at once war canoes gathered around the longboat while indians tried to jump into it and steal the small trading articles lying there they jeered at the sailors who were so enraged they wanted to fight but the officer kept them quiet else perhaps not a man on either the ship or in the longboat might have escaped the boat was recalled immediately but now the breeze had died down meares spread his sails and hoped to go farther south but the sails hung lifeless the next morning the ship was not four hundred feet from where it had been the night before tatouche and his warriors four hundred strong came out in their war canoes and paddled around and around the ship they seemed to admire it very much but the captain took pains not to invite any of them on board then the indians began to sing it was a simple little melody yet sung in exact time and with so many voices in the open air it was very sweet it almost made the englishmen homesick at noon the breeze sprang up the captain sailed southward he tried to enter shoalwater bay but the water was too shallow on the bar then he sailed on until he came to what seemed to be an opening in the coast like a river he saw what might be a bay or perhaps a river mouth the bay was shut off from the ocean by long sandbars tremendous waves thundered over the bar the great white caps were dangerous to any sailing ship captain meares steered in toward this bay but the water began to grow shallow nine fathoms called the men with the sounding leads eight fathoms they called still it grew shallower seven fathoms they shouted and the breakers were right ahead captain meares steered out he was so disappointed that he called a high cape on the north side of the bay cape disappointment the bay he called deception bay because he had been deceived so he thought into believing it might be a river mouth then he said in his log-book without the slightest respect for english grammar we can now with safety assert that there is no such river as that of st roch exists as laid down in the spanish charts then the ungrammatical captain turned around and sailed back to nootka sound this happened four years before captain robert gray from boston daringly sailed into that bay and found it was the mouth of the columbia river but the name cape disappointment sticks to that headland even to-day when captain meares reached nootka sound again he was much pleased to find the new little coasting vessel the northwest america almost ready for launching everything was all right the indians had been friendly they had even made a trail through the rough forest because the trees which the chinese carpenters needed for building that little ship were back in the woods the trees nearby were too large but in the sound also were americans just out from boston captain robert gray in the lady washington was there when meares arrived and shortly after captain john kendrick of the columbia sailed in and these americans were much surprised to find on that wild lonely shore chinese carpenters hard at work building a ship while a house flying the british flag stood on the shore at last late in september that same year seventeen eighty eight the northwest america was ready for launching the british flag was hoisted and the tide was at just the right height Makina and comacalla with all their wild tribesmen had come from their winter houses back in the forest 
tiana the sandwich island chief was on board the new ship hawaiians live in the water like ducks and tiana thought this was good fun a gun was fired the carpenters knocked down the props and like a shot the little ship started from the waves she slipped into the water with such speed and dashed across the harbour so wildly that she ran halfway out toward the open ocean nobody there knew much about launching a ship captain Miras said he did not and no one would expect it of chinese carpenters so they entirely forgot to put a cable and anchor on her but she had no sails yet so small boats went out and towed her back to the dock tiana on board was much pleased he capered about on deck as she dashed across the little cove clapping his hands gleefully and shouting mighty mighty and so was launched the first ship built on the northwest coast of america the country had no other name yet and it was a curious scene it was a fur-trading ship built by chinese carpenters for an english captain who with his lascar crew often sailed under the portuguese flag it was built on a wild lonely shore uninhabited by white people and launched under the surprised eyes of yankees just out from boston and of nootka sound chiefs with all their red-painted followers and it had on board as it dashed into the water a sandwich island chief who was fond of travel and wanted to see the world. End of chapter 3